My guest today, Boomer and Jeannie Martinez, met in recovery. Boomer's got a great story himself. Jeannie's got a great story herself. So when they met and God brought them together, he took them to levels they've never seen before. And he's continuing to do that today. They are the leaders of the Celebrate Recovery at One Church down in Beaumont. And today, it's going to be a good background check on Boomer and Jeannie Martinez. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey everyone, welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, J. Dan Gum, and we believe here your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. And it's also brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. And, and also this episode is brought to you by Clarity Roofing and Solar. Call Joe and uh, and Ryan, the guys at Clarity. Today, the number is on the show notes. I want you to get used to, to looking at the show notes, all right? So go to the show notes. Grab the Clarity number and give them a call today if you need a roof inspection, all right? They're the best. They're the best. Uh, go to their website, and you'll be able to see their core values, their um, their their belief statements. They're just an incredible group of uh, guys and gals over at Clarity, so give them a call. And, uh, and listen, today uh, I want to give a shout-out to some other sponsors for our North Texas Giving Day, Anticipate Joy. They are a virtual counseling platform, incredible people, personal friends, and they do virtual counseling of all kinds. So you can do it on chat, uh, text, video, phone, whatever you need. It fits with your schedule, and they have a counselor for everybody. Uh, American Outlaw Barbershop in Arlington, Texas. Uh, this guy coached in seventh grade football. So that's pretty cool. Uh, he's sponsoring us as well. Uh, who else we got left hook videos is uh, they're going to make the, the, the recap video of, of our rally. And then we got Trinity Church is providing the venue for us. And then we got Johnson dispute, uh, resolutions. That's my father-in-law and they do, uh, they do insurance claims and, 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 uh, appraisals and stuff like that. Who else we got on there, man, we got a ton of sponsors this year. I'm going to get them all sooner or later. I don't have the list in front of me, but I'll, I'll get them all. Some of them are, um, Abundant Living, Life and Annuity, TJ Henley, friend of mine, and on our board. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. Can I remember any offhand? It, it, listen, if it if it feels like I'm struggling on the intro here, it's because I'm in, I'm in Missouri. I don't have all my stuff in front of me. And I am trying to get this podcast done today before I go into the, the prison here in Missouri. Uh, the, I got to – I've been, I've been corresponding with a guy named Michael – at uh, the Northeast Correctional Center. And he's been writing in about the podcast for a while. And they invited me to come speak at their annual inmate-led organizational banquet. So pretty cool to be invited. Yeah, but I'm also going to do an interview with him before the, the banquet tonight. But I'm also going to do a general population service from 1 to 3. So I'm excited. 
so if it feels like I'm I'm unprepared, I actually am this episode, so I apologize. But I do want to give a couple shout-outs. I did remember to bring the shout-outs with me. Um, so let me see here. First shout-out is for Jack Logan Jr., I guess. Jack Logan is at the Bridgeport unit. Not for very long, it seems like. But um, just want to give a shout-out to you today, um, Jack, and all, all the guys in EPOD. Can I get a what-what from EPOD? All right. Uh, I guess that's the, the faith-based dorm there. Praise the Lord. When I was in prison, they didn't have faith-based dorms, so... That's good. Um, man, let's see here. Willie Clark in Arizona, San Luis uh, Prison in Arizona. Um, thank you for sharing your story, man. I'm glad you stumbled across the podcast. I'm glad you're listening and binge listening. Uh, you'll have to tell me what some of your favorite episodes are. I love it when people listen to it, uh, all of them together. But thank you for, man, just sharing your story and sharing and, and having the kind words to you know, for what we do here. I appreciate that. Uh, I love it when people, you know, uh, appreciate what we do. Cause I, you always wonder, you know, how, this will be the 109th episode. You always wonder if you're making an impact, but when people write in to let us know, uh, and, and good suggestion, I know what you mean, bro, uh, on leaving the address. Uh, I will have to, I will have to go back and get some, uh, get some addresses for you guys, uh, whether I say them on the air or whether I put them in the show notes. That's good suggestion. I'm still learning. I'm two and a half years in. And I'm still learning. So thank you for the, um, thank you for it. So uh, we'll we'll try to go back and do that, and uh, see if we can't, see if we can't rectify some of that. But going forward, yes, going forward, we're going to do that. So I appreciate you, man. Uh, all right. So I want to give a shout out to Kelsey Morera, who was our, you know, guest a couple weeks ago. Uh, she celebrated September 14th yesterday, celebrated seven years clean. Amen. Amen. Uh, and listen, I am going to be celebrating my spiritual birthday this Sunday, September 18th. Okay. I went into solitary confinement, September 18th, 2003. All right. And so this will be my 19th birthday, my spiritual birthday. I call it my spiritual birthday because I went into, um, uh, solitary confinement ad seg for you in texas you guys in texas on september 18th 2003 and i spent eight days there and uh gave my heart back to god where it belonged in the first place his original intent over my life i let him begin to use me and here we are 19 years later 19 years later praise the lord and i've also been i celebrated uh my 19th year of sobriety earlier this year, April. So anyway, uh, it's so funny. Na National Comeback to Church Day. Did you know that National Comeback to Church Day is this Sunday, September 18th? That is incredible. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I see everybody start advertising. I've been out of prison for 16 years. I didn't even know there was a National Comeback to Church Sunday. But there is. And it happens to fall on my birthday, spiritual birthday, September 18th. So no time, no better time to come back to God, come back to church, come back to out of isolation, come back to community, wherever you are, whether you're in prison, whether you're out here in the world, come back to community, come back to the church, come back to the body of Christ where there's community. And uh, there's some great churches out there. I promise you, man, uh, in, in, in the Dallas area, Trinity Church, obviously, where I grew up and have been going for a long time. Social Dallas was uh, my pastors, Robert and Taylor Madu. 
uh, Elevate Life, Pastor Keith Craft up in Frisco, Free Life Church in Forney. All these churches are amazing. Highland Meadows in Red Oak with Pastor David Johnston. Man, these are incredible people, and they love forgiving felons. They all support us, and uh, they're just incredible. They're incredible. There's some good community out there, all right? So come back to church this Sunday and celebrate my my spiritual birthday with me. All right, we got to get to this. Um, we got to get to the the interview. It's a, it's an incredible interview. Um, I met Boomer at a Wind City reunion, uh, and then I started following. He started following me on Facebook. I started following him. I saw his journey, and I just told him. I said, "Man, we got to get your we got to get your story." And he goes, "Well, can can I bring my wife?" And I said, "Absolutely." So their story is incredible. I don't want to waste any more time. Um, we talk about marriage. We talk about marriage tips. We talk about recovery, and uh, it's just a, it's just a really neat interview. So enjoy. Boomer Henry Martinez and Jeannie, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you for having us. Hi, Jeannie. Uh, this is the first time I get to meet you. Yes. So I'm excited and honored to meet you. Uh, I always like meeting the better halves of the people that are friends of mine. And so uh, you're the better half right now because you don't have a Dallas Cowboy cap on. Um, <laughs> are you a Cowboy fan like you? Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. My wife's a Cowboys fan. You know? Oh. So, so you have great, a great wife. Great anointed woman. That's, uh, that's, you know, the vows, the marriage vows say for better, for worse. You know, that's my worst. That she's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> so, sorry. In the, and in sickness and in health, you know, the, that's the sickness part, that she's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Boomer. Sir. It's an honor to finally uh, get to hang out with you. Yes, sir. We've met before, and I've I've heard your name, and I've seen you've been friends on Facebook for a while, and um, and I see your story playing out, and I think it was just time, bro, mm-hmm. to get you. You're telling your story everywhere else. You're in the Celebrate Recovery world. Mm-hmm sharing your story and making an impact. And so now we want to get you on background check podcast and let, let everybody, all of our listeners in and out of jail and prison. Cause we have a ton, there's 400,000 tablets in jails and prisons across America, including about 10, 12 units in, in uh, Texas now mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that have our podcast on it. So um, your, your story, Jeannie's story is going to be uh, known far and wide. And so thank you for taking the time, the trip, up here, and because uh, y'all are from Beaumont, Beaumont, the Beaumont, 409. Yes, yes, the 409. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had some. Um, we've got some. I've got some other friends down there. Bobby in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Memphis. I think they were going to. I don't know where they're living now. I think they moved, but they moved outside. I think near. Uh, I can't even remember where it's at right there. Some by the lake or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. By it's by lake. But I know they were going to the same church. I think y'all, mm-hmm. y'all, y'all went to. What's it called? Didn't they change names? Uh, One City Church. So One City it used to be called um, Cathedral, Cathedral of the Pines. Pines. Yep. Yeah. Felshaw, great guy. Yes. yes great, he is. great people. Yes. Great people. They know a lot of because they're uh, the AG world, the Assembly of God world. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of. They know a lot of mutual people. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's cool, man. Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, so tell us, tell us real quick. Okay, I want both of y'all to introduce yourself, who you are now, what you do now. And then once we know who you are now, what you do now, what you do for a living, all that stuff, then we'll we'll start on the background check on you. Okay. Jeannie? Well, my name is uh, Jeannie Martinez, and now I am the program director for a women's drug treatment center that um, the girls come out of TDCJ to stay there. And I'm also the ministry leader at CR at One City Church. 
Oh, all right. A ministry leader. How long have you been doing that? Um, I get not not very long, about six months right now. We, we yeah, we got we got put in on January. Yeah. Second nice. week in January. Congratulations. So. Yeah. And as so far as what do you do now? Uh, you know, my name's Henry Martinez, but everybody calls me Boomer. Um, Why? Well, that's a little bit of a story. Uh, my mom was young when she had me, and uh, we used to kind of bounce around from house to house. And and the way the story goes, it's like an urban legend. Um, my uncle told my mom one time, she said, look, he said, look, he says, if you're going to leave, he has to leave with you. You know, this is this is in, a, in a, like a little baby, babysitting factory. You, yeah. He has to go with you. So I would go with her, and we'd come back, and finally one day he said, you know, every time I throw that kid out of my house, he comes back like a boomerang. <laughs> oh, so okay, there you go. That makes sense. I was just trying to think maybe you, you know, had some uh, Oklahoma Sooner in you or no. uh, whatever, you know. But no, 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 okay. no Boomer Sooner. No Boomer Sooner. So. All right, all right. So, uh, what do you do? So I'm the account manager for a landscaping company called Texas Green Landscapes in Beaumont. Uh, I handle all the clients and, and new clients and stuff like that. Make sure everything's getting taken care of on the maintenance side. And then also, as my, my wife said, that I'm also one of the celebrate recovery directors at One City Church. So, um, so you get to you get to work in the air conditioner. No, while everybody too. else is outside in the hot sun working. No, no. you get out there with them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Well, we had a couple of guys that, that decided to move on, so I've been in the truck for the past three weeks. And, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was probably about your color when I, when summer started, <laughs> and now I'm I'm, I'm I'm there now. So, but uh, I love it. How long you been there? I've been there since uh, since 2018. Um, my my the owner of the company, Ryan Castile. He was he's been a pastor and he was also uh, involved with One City Church, is at the church we go to. And uh, it just so happened when we moved to Beaumont that he was looking for somebody, and I started on the weed eater. And here we are, like three years later. I'm I'm the account manager for the, for the company. So, so cool. Now, did is. you have any uh, any kind of experience in that? Or uh, did he just move you up there and? No, ironically, you know what I'm saying, you know, you, you, predominantly the landscaping, you know, business is uh is a is his, of Hispanic, you know, uh, origin, I guess, or si. people. Yes. See. Si. And I, I was that one Mexican that didn't know how to work a weed eater. Okay. But now I am a master. Fully fully yes. initiated, fully yes, I like it. In, engulfed into your uh, stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I love it. I love it. So, yeah. All right. So, but do you speak Spanish? Uh, what? As what you, kind of Latino are you, man? Yeah. No landscaping, no, no. He's no the whitest Spanish. Mexican I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is funny. It brings some uh, pretty good stories from prison. Whenever guys try to talk to me in Spanish, and I was like, "Yeah, okay," and then <laughs> I suffered the consequences after that. So. <laughs> Didn't you hear what I said? Oh but you man, you said it in Spanish. So there that's you go. so funny. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's. I didn't. My parents only spoke Spanish when they wanted to hide stuff from us. So. Yeah. There you go. Gotcha. Uh, All right. So uh, how long have you been out of prison? I've been out of prison for five years now. Um, I left prison in December of 2017. Okay. And uh, it's it's been great ever since. Now you had mentioned something about going going to Safe P or mm-hmm. ISF or something. So that's they usually do that when you're on a pro violation. Mm-hmm. So you got out. At some point before, how many? I mean, do you have? Do you have how many TDC numbers? Do you have just one or? I have three. You have three. Yeah. Okay. And and how many more are you gonna get? Uh, none. Okay. Good. And so, uh, when was the first time you went to prison? Uh, first time was state jail. I got a two. I got a two year sentence. I, I got a you know couple. And that, and that was when? That was in uh, two thousand. Okay. So. And then you got out and got and, out and and got got was in and out of out of county jail and stuff like that for just minimal charges, misdemeanor yeah. stuff. Picked up another uh, receiving and concealing, 
got another uh, four-year sentence. The four-year sentence was receiving, concealing, theft, and uh, felony custody escape. How long did you do for those? Four years. Four years. Then got and out. Got out, and it was just so good that you want to go back one more time. Went back in again, and just had had a good time. I guess you missed the spreads. Missed the spreads. <laughs> missed fighting over the you know the, the channel check. Yeah. Like oh that. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But um, and then finally back in April of uh, 2013 is when I finally got my 10 year sentence, which I'm on still parole to this day for. So. All right. Well, let's let's start from the beginning, man. Where where did you grow up? How many brothers and sisters did you have? And and uh, what kind of family life did you have? So I'm I'm the oldest of, of uh, five. Uh, I got two, I got three sisters and two brothers. Uh, we're from Dallas, Texas. But uh, my my mom we, we grew up in Irving. So okay, yeah. Went to Irving High my School. My mom went to Irving High School. I like it. It's great high school. Um, went to Irving High School. Uh, family wise, you know, we were we were a family that fought with each other, but we also fought for each other. Um, Wait, is there any other family that doesn't fight? That's just like normal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 it continues to this day. And, and I think that that's what makes us a pretty pretty good family now. Yeah, we've had our battles and stuff like that. Um, but as far as as far as me, uh, my I'm I have a different biological father, and uh, my my stepdad, who which I I refer to as my dad, Paul. He uh, he married my mother whenever she was still pregnant with me, and uh, you know, from the time that I could remember, I, I still. And I had a conversation with my mom a while back. I always said that I always felt different than the rest of the family. Yeah. And she couldn't understand that. She couldn't understand it. You know, you were loved just as much as everybody else and those things like that. But as far as me, I just always felt different. Right. And I think that maybe, you know, it caused me to act out in certain ways and, and people please and, and crowd searching and, and trying to fit in with different groups and, and those things like that. Because, you know, I, I excelled in sports. You know, I love playing baseball. I love playing football. Um, but but aside from that, I was always trying to find that social group that I could fit in, you know. And yeah. I think one time my wife made fun of me because I was like, you know, in in school, you you, you there's there's groups, those, there's those cliques yeah. that, that you yeah, want yeah. to get in, you know. And and a lot of the popular people at my my high school were were white kids, and I hung around a lot of them, and I got flack from from the kids that looked like me, you know, you know, being brown and stuff like that. Why are you hanging out with them? Well, I found acceptance with them. Yeah, now, I don't find acceptance with you, namely because I don't speak Spanish. Well, that like was just that was just, that was preparing you for prison. <laughs> yes, because that's what prison's like too, man. Yeah, I mean, if you don't hang out with your color in prison, your own color gets mad at you. Other colors get mad at you. It's just yeah. like, I mean, I was just like, because I hung out with everybody. Yeah, and it, and and it it really ticked the white the white people off the most. Mm-hmm. You know, once the Hispanics and blacks really do what I was about, I loved everybody, and I was just going to talk to everybody and hang mm-hmm. out with everybody, no matter what. Yeah. You know, then they they accepted me. They're like, okay, this dude's real. He's not just trying trying to be a Latino or trying to be a black guy. You know, yeah. he's he's just a genuine dude. But the white people were the only ones that really had a problem with it. Yeah. You know? and yeah. So white people could be. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a white person at one time. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, you know, I just I was trying to always find find my spot and stuff like that, and and uh, I just I just had this. Um, this identity issue that I just, I, w- I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. You yeah. know? I was always just trying to people please and, and be the best of and stuff like that. When, when, when in, in, in hindsight, I think I just wanted to feel more accepted in my family. Yeah. Now I don't blame them for that. You know, I used to, there was a time where I used to blame them for that. Um, but in coming to know who I am in Christ and, and working a, re- a recovery program, it was all just, it was me. It was self, yeah. it was self-based. 
and that drove me to some behaviors that that uh that i exhibited you know whether staying out late you know getting in fights and and getting drunk getting high and those things like that experimentally you know nothing compared to when during my addiction but yeah. i was always dibbling dabbling so high school was when you were introduced to drugs and alcohol yeah, you know, you know, cocaine was passed around. You know, say marijuana, those things like that. But it wasn't never really serious, you know, as it as it got. But were uh, you a troublemaker in school? Mm, uh, I didn't make I didn't make good grades, but I, I made enough grades to to, to stay over seventy. You now, know? I'm not talking about making good grades or bad grades. Were you a troublemaker? Uh, Did you get in trouble a lot? Detention, kicked out, suspended. Yeah, I well, probably in my second year in high school is whenever I started getting suspended because I just wasn't going to school. Gotcha. You know, I was I was I was pretty smart. I was smart enough to to get in fights outside of school and outside of school grounds, and not on school grounds because I was I was scared to go that far. Now, why know? would you get in fights in high school? Uh, just to prove myself. Yeah, you know, just to prove myself in in front of friends and in front of girls and those things like that. Like yeah. I said, it was just identity gotcha. identity driven. You know, um, but I always had this mentality. It was like it was like there was this line that I knew that I couldn't cross. Right. Like I would say, you know what, I'm going to fight you, not on not in school grounds <laughs> or not in this hallway. But out here, because I was always scared of the going going over that line, and my dad having to show up at school and yeah, and show me what's up. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so there you go. So, uh, when did you start kind of getting into some real trouble? Um, my my life my life fell apart uh, on May 20th, 1999. That's whenever uh, my dad Paul died from cirrhosis. Uh, I think it, it was in in 2017 is when he was. No, I'm sorry. It was in '97 when he was when he was diagnosed, and he would, was it because of drinking? Yeah. Okay. Um, and some other health issues, you know, helped help that out. But um, he was told that he needed to stop drinking, and I think for that first year he didn't, you know. And in uh, 2018, you know, after some talking with family and stuff like that, he decided to give it up. And but it was, I guess, I always wanted to to make him proud, and I always wanted him to to look at me like I felt like he looked at my my brothers and sisters. And and I'm not saying that he didn't. I'm just saying that I didn't receive it that way. Right. And uh, when he died in '99, it was like, now I now I have no way of, of knowing how much he loved me. Yeah. I have no way of knowing if he if he was if he was really proud of me because prior to that, in uh, in February, right before my my oldest son was born, um, we got into a big argument, and he was pretty sick. He had lost a lot of pounds, and he was he was a big man that lost a lot of weight, and uh, he got really mad at me and. Uh, and I had burned off to, I think, Oklahoma to get drunk and party and stuff like that. And, and uh, at that time, left my uh, my ex-wife. She was pregnant, my kids there, and uh, they didn't know where I went. So we got into an argument. He came and he saw me. He grabbed me He grabbed me by my, sh- my shirt and put me up against the wall. Mm-hmm. And he was really sick. And it surprised me that he had enough strength to do that. And uh, he said, uh, he said I'm, I'm fixing to die, and, and this is what you're leaving me with. Mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he didn't talk to me for a while, and uh, it was – Probably about a month later, he talked to me at, at his birthday party. It was a surprise birthday party we had for him. And uh, he told me he loved me. And I was like, you know, that, that made me feel good. But even then, it still didn't feel like it was enough to, to make me feel, you know, worthy of that. You know, so. And after that, he, he was he passed away at St. Paul's Hospital in, uh, in Dallas. And uh, that day I walked out to out of the hospital and I just started drinking and went home and, and helped my mom try to transition and. My family was falling apart because my dad was he was he was everything and uh and it, cocaine just seemed like that was the way for me to get lost in that and that started years and years and years of some pain and anguish and stuff so so that last time you were down did did something happen in your mind your heart you know like like 
did something click? Did you have an encounter with God? Did you, you know, just figure out that, okay, this is, this is the sum of all my choices and, and, and I don't want to make these choices anymore. And, and I don't want these results anymore. I think for, I think for me, I mean, and, and like many people that, that may be incarcerated right now that are, that are locked up right now, we've, we've all gone through those stages where it was like, um, you know, the first time around, uh, my grandma passed away and, and the chaplain had to come to the, to the, to the bars and say, mm. Hey, let me see, you know, let me see your ID. What's your name? Told him. And then he said, um, just want to let you know that your, your grandmother passed away, you know? And, you know, it was like, okay, well, what happens now? Yeah. Well, there's really nothing that's going to happen now because there's really nothing we can do for you. We just need to let you know. It's just so transactional, you know, it's yeah. like no emotion, no nothing. It's just, it's just, I hate the way they do stuff like that. So. I went through those stages of I'm gonna I'm gonna quit using and and abusing for my grandma. I'm gonna stop for my kids. I'm gonna stop for my mom. You know I'm gonna stop for all these people and 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 I consistently failed at those reasons. You know even even when and I say this to a lot of people that I talk to because me and my wife visit a lot of treatment centers. You know that that one point where everybody's been to when they're in county jail and and they're they're fixing to catch chain and, and go and the family comes to see them one last time because that 45 days is almost up and that's when TDC has the chance to come get you. And I remember my, my daughters come to see me and that bulletproof glass was between us. And, and I told them to put their hand on, on the glass and, and I wanted them to feel how much I, I loved them. Yeah. You know? And, and, and they, they said, yeah, yeah, dad, I, I can feel your hand. I can hmm. feel you. And that just hurt me because they were, they, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't feel that. And, and, uh, and I helped them. I coached them into making them feel that I could, yeah. that I loved them, you know, and even even that moment, that feeling that I had in that at that time, wasn't enough to make me stop. And it was finally um, April of 2013. I I caught chain. I was in Amarillo. They sent me out there to be a, a clerk for the for the meat market plant that was out there. And um, I went to I went to the to the library, and they had a piece of paper up there saying, "Do you want to learn know more about computers and this and that, and whatever?" And I was like, "You know, computers sound pretty cool." So I put my name on it. And like a month later, I caught Chain, you know, and I was like, where am I going to? And they're like, you're going to Cofield. Why am I going to Cofield? Wow. You know? So, of course, everybody always hears those stories about Cofield and stuff like that, about the unit it is and the, and the reputation it has. So went out there and got there. And, and I remember uh, when we were pulling to the gate, it was just it was just ominous, just huge. And just it was the middle of the middle of the, the, the I think it was summer because all the windows are busted out, you know, saying to get that get some air in there. And uh, and as we're pulling up, this this guy that's right next to me goes, "Son, it ain't as bad as it looks. Don't 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 let it lie to you." And then off the rec yard, I guess it was Ad Sego there. Somebody goes, "Welcome to hell," and I was like, "That's the, probably the last thing that I wanted to hear going into this place." So, um, but as to your question, um, it was in that it was in in Coalfield that I just had this really really big encounter with God. Um, I I felt like I've been turned away from my family. My family would visit me every once in a while, bring my kids up there, you know. Um, a letter every so often, yeah. every so often. Yeah. And and I was just tired. And I remember um, there was a guy probably about two cells down, three cells down, and uh, he had he had murdered a couple of his, his family members at some party. And this guy consistently got visitation. Every I mean, it was like clockwork. Saturday he was up in his whites. They called his name. Mail call always got mail you know all the time he would get a uh, the, the commissary he would get the you know the uh the uh what are those called again those um, care packages and mm -hmm. stuff like that he was getting everything didn't didn't miss and i would hear his name and i would just get so upset 
And I remember one day I said, Lord, I said, all I want is one letter. One letter that just says, I love you. Please, for, you know, you know, you're forgiven. Come home. Those things like that. And I would never get that. So I got mad and I grabbed my, my Bible, which, you know, everybody knows you get that commissary bag. You put Bibles and books yeah. and use it for weight bags. You, you look like you've been lifting a little bit of weights. So I fit the water bags. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I took out, I took out one of the Bibles that I had and I just started reading and uh, it was the book of Ephesians. And uh, I remember it said, you know, to the people of Ephesus and, and this person and that person and this person. And just out of nowhere, I just said, and to Boomer on Cofield. And it just, it made my heart happy to hear mm. that, that, that my name was in a letter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Finally. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start doing this. So I read the book of Ephesians and the Colossians and, and all, all those letters that Paul wrote, you know, cause I could feel like this kinship because he wrote these letters in, in prison, Yep. you know? And I was like, man, you know, I finally fit in the Bible. And as I've said before, the new Testament was, was good to me. Yeah. But then whenever somebody told me, well, you need to go to the old Testament too. And I was like, I was like, okay. And I started in numbers and numbers just <laughs> blew my lid. And I was like, man, this, I don't, I don't belong in the old Testament because I can't understand this. But, but it was like backtracking and it was like, okay, wait a minute. You know, this all leads to something really, really good. And, and it was there that I started going to, to the, to the church services and stuff like that. It was there. I met, I don't know if you know, Jerry Roberts, Jerry Roberts was on Cofield, and now this guy is absolutely incredible. He uh he put a video out on on Facebook and YouTube that got like four million views, and uh, he's he was that guy where if you if you said hey what does it say in the Bible and he would just word for word like the whole chapter just I mean just now let's see you were you were on Cofield what years twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen did you know Richard Miles uh, he was on Cofield I think he got out two thousand fifteen he was wrongfully convicted. He spent 10, uh, 15 years on Cofield. Uh, that name sounds familiar. But and he, he's got a he's got a whole organization now called Miles of Freedom, and uh-huh. but he was exonerated, I think, in two thousand sixteen or seventeen. And uh, but he was on Cofield for a long time. There's, There's a couple more that came off Cofield that were exonerated. Ben Spencer uh, is in the process of he spent thirty four years, most of that on Cofield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Pinchback, I think Pinchback was out. He got out in two thousand eleven. These were all exonerees. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of a lot of exonerees from the yeah. Cofield unit. So, but yeah, they all confirmed it was pretty hot. Yeah. It was pretty hot on Cofield. <laughs> I well, I remember they used to they'd start busting the windows out, and the guards would be like, "Y'all are gonna regret it when winter comes around because we ain't gonna cover, we ain't gonna cover the windows back up." And and thankfully, I got I got moved out to P five, you know, out there, so it was a little bit better out there. So, but um, you know, just started going to the chapel services, started going, you know, started reading the Bible, and just started really just. You know, letting God be God in my life. So I, I find it interesting and, and just so godlike that he knew one of your needs was to, to be able to fit in identity, mm-hmm. you know, and for him to speak to you in that in those moments, like he was writing the letters to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love the way God knows, knows what we need, mm-hmm. knows how to approach us, knows how to relate to us, be relational. And, uh, and and that's pretty cool. I've never. I mean, when you said it, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And to Boomer, uh, from Cofield or in Cofield, I love that. Yeah. I think next time I read in Ephesians, I'm gonna I'm gonna say to J. Dan in yeah. Dallas, or walks at you now. Yeah. But that's cool. I like that. Well, I mean, even then, like when I first got there, like you know, I wasn't I wasn't you know, the tablets or you know when I heard that that prisons have tablets, I was like, man, that's incredible, you know, because that was even 
you know, those love letters by RJ at night or something mm-hmm. like that. I was, you know, nobody wrote me letters and dedicated a song to me or <laughs> or Delilah after dark or something like Delilah. that. Delilah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Delilah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, she, they, nobody read no letter to me on Delilah, you know? <laughs> so, but thankfully the, the Lord, you know, he had a bunch of letters for me. So, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, you know, I, I found Celebrate Recovery. You know, I, I started going to Kairos, you know, the Kairos yeah. walk, stuff like that. Uh, the Bill Glass Ministries, which, you know, you've been a yeah. part of. I mean, yeah. All those things were incredible. So um, you began growing in the Lord. When when did you did when did you feel like the most the most growth and development was happening in you? And what do you attribute that to? Uh, Matthew six thirty three. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um that was that was a, a great promise, but it also came with a lot of anxiety for me because it was telling me if you put me first you know, I'm going to give you everything that, that you need next. But I was scared because I didn't know if that included my family. You know, I love my mom and I love my brothers and sisters. I love my kids. But, you know, if if you, if, if you read the Bible like, like I do, there's a lot of sacrifice to it, you know. You know, and when Jesus was in the garden and he's praying, you know, and he says, you know, if if it be thy will, you know, if you, if you could take this cup of suffering away from me, you know, I, I would really like that. You know, but if not, let your will be done. And I, and I know that because because I know who Jesus is now. He saw what I would do, and yet he still was willing to do that. Um, so if his if his sacrifice, if my sacrifice would be anything like his, I don't know what was going to come next. Yeah. So um, I just walked in that. I was like, Lord, okay, look, you know, you're, you're first. Whatever comes next is next. And what came next was is was you know praying with people. You know what I'm saying kind of moving away from certain things you know what i'm saying um you know kind of that 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 scripture you know you, you're in the world but not of the world you know i stopped i stopped you know gambling i stopped you know drinking you know on the on you know on the units and those things like that and just stopped entertaining some of the things that i was entertaining um now i didn't try to i didn't i didn't want to i wasn't trying to make myself better then but i was trying to better myself you know and and i think that's what people respected the most was that i'm not trying to be better than you i'm just trying to be better than me you know, because I have to live with myself. So um, that's that's where it was at. I mean, the church just came really important to me. It didn't become yeah. something that, you know, everybody on Coldfoot, if you're listening on Coldfoot, everybody knows that 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 chapel, you know what I'm saying, it, it entertains a lot of things, you know. But even all that didn't didn't distract me from, from what I was looking for, and I was looking for the Lord, you know what I'm saying, on a daily basis. So, and I, you know, devoted myself to doing better. I, when I got that college course that – Computer information technology. Yeah. Unfortunately, when I got out, nobody's using C plus plus and, and <laughs> JavaScript. So, and I went for uh, uh, web design. Now they had GoDaddy.com. So I mean, I, there was no no reason for me to have any of that stuff. So yeah, it's we use Squarespace, and Squarespace mm. is pretty good too, man. I mean, you can they got templates now for for almost nothing, and and you know, you used to pay three to $5,000 to have somebody create something like that. And now mm. you just pay $30 a month and it's pick done. from some of the best templates out there. Mm. So, yeah, we got one guy, Gator. He, he did 28 years in prison from the wind unit. Oh, did, you, did you, did you ever know Gator? No, I didn't. Were you ever at the wind unit? No, I'm, I met all those guys through Charlie Owens. Okay. All right. So that's, yeah. that's your connection to yeah. the wind, the wind unit guys. All right. How did you know Charlie Owens? Um, he, I, I'm, I'm in fellowship with, with some people that he deals with, uh, through Bethel church and stuff like okay. that. So, um, I met him and it was like, you know, you're, you're a person that, you know, needs to meet Charlie. And, and they told Charlie the same thing. And, and when I met him, the stories that he just had about, you know, the, the things that were happening on the wind unit and, 
and through that that supernatural school of ministry over there and stuff like that it was just it was just incredible you know and and he has he we don't talk much but but whenever we we do talk his his texts to me are, are incredible i mean just just prop prophetic fields you know texts that just just blow me and genie out of the water you know what i'm saying it's like yeah this guy has taken a moment to speak to speak to us you know what i'm saying because the lord's given us some giving him something for us so it's it's incredible and that's whenever i met you at that wind city reunion yeah, yeah, the yeah. first time around so yeah i was like so Man. so when you uh you made parole yes and uh did you know you were going to make parole were you at the end of your how long was your sentence sentence is 10, 10 years and how so, long did you do uh, that one did four. Okay. So, um, so you were a little bit over, but I mean, my history is like, I was just in and out, in and out. Uh, the very first, that four year sentence I got, I got out on April 3rd and that night, well, that day I got released. This was back whenever they were releasing people from Huntsville and, uh, left Huntsville. Well, I was drunk by the time I got to Rice and, and mm. back in, back in County jail within two and a half weeks, you know, I mean, I didn't learn my lesson. I got yeah. shot. I got shot. I was on the run, you know, and it was just. I mean, you know, I, I just never valued freedom, you know, because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't I didn't know how or what to use that because I didn't know who I was. I like the way you said that because, you know, our freedom in Christ, when you understand the level of freedom you have in Christ and you learn to value it, mm-hmm. none of that old stuff matters anymore. Mm-hmm. When you when you learn to value freedom and you were speaking just then of, of the natural freedom out here, but on a spiritual level, when you learn to value the freedom you have in Christ. Uh, things that you that you used to be in bondage to mm. just have no relevance in your life anymore because you value the freedom that that, mm. that you have in him so all right well you get out uh we're gonna bring genie in and because genie um you guys met in recovery um what'd you think the first time you saw him Mexican <laughs> who doesn't speak uh, Spanish right. and he doesn't uh, and he and then what's the other thing and he doesn't know how to handle a weed eater yeah yes. uh, so um, what attracted you to him uh, him what what was attractive about him when you first met him I think that it wasn't really a physical attraction as much as it was a spiritual attraction like my spirit just lit on fire yeah and before, I mean, I knew a whole lot about him. So yeah, yeah, okay. And um, Boomer, what did you think about her? Uh, I really wasn't thinking nothing about her. Yeah, you know, just to be honest, I mean, you know, when I got out of prison, my my whole thing was to to get my life right. Yeah, you know, because I'd made that mistake before of getting out of prison and 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 hooking up with somebody, and then three weeks later they were kicking me out because I don't have yeah. no job or yeah. I don't have no job prospects or don't got no money and stuff. So. So you guys met in recovery, uh, and, and that's a big part of, of who you are now. Mm-hmm. You've been married how long? Well, it'll be four years in December. Four years in December, so about three and a half years. And uh, uh, you work in Celebrate Recovery together, mm-hmm. right? And we, so yeah. uh, do you, have you both shared your story in that CR? Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit of your story. Well, um, I was an IV meth user, and... Um, Ooh, IV? Yes, I was. You were hardcore. Well, I don't know how hardcore I was, but <laughs> I was I was pretty down, that's for sure. Yeah. Um but I was I'm just I'm just like a cliche. Like I got my kids taken away. I had a really bad um just a really bad batch of life. Yeah. Until I um until I finally decided it was my third treatment center that I went to that made me decide. And that's you know, I found God. 
yeah. as well. And um, I, I said, enough's enough. I was done. I didn't have any family. I didn't have my kids. Um, I tried to take my life a couple times. And, um, but when I started following God, it was like a whole new world opened up for me. Wow. Was there somebody in your life that was, in, you know, instrumental in pointing you to God or how, how did that encounter happen? I would say it was in county jail, the, the ladies that would come in and bring ministry services. Um, but it was actually a song. Okay. Mercy me, I can only imagine. Oh, go ahead, sing it for us. Oh, I can't sing it all. <laughs> my my husband was. Whoa. Start. Yeah. He said, "Don't do it." Yeah. Don't. Okay. All right. All right. That's a great song. It's a very, it very. When I was in prison, that was very popular, and uh, it, it's a good song. It's a good song. Yeah. It 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 busted my heart wide open, yeah. and I could feel a tangible presence the very first time I ever heard that song. Yeah. So I was moved. So uh, you were in county jail. Did you go further? I no, I never went to prison. I always ended up keeping myself out of prison. Okay, um, but I was on probation many times, and I've only completed it once. So, um, well, congratulations on that once. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> probation's very hard. Very hard. <laughs> it's harder than prison, man. I tell, I mean, or it's harder than being on parole. Yeah. Uh, man, there's times where I have a friend that completed a ten-year probation mm. to not go to prison, and he's the only one I've ever met that completed a full ten-year probation. Yeah. Everyone else I knew that had long pro- five to ten years probation was violating that thing and going to prison anyway. And I'm yeah. just like, wow. I'm like, man, if you're getting a two-year sentence, three-year sentence, and they offer you probation or, or, or prison, take and you prison. have a short time, take take the short time. Yeah. You're gonna be home in eleven months on a two-year, you know. But yeah. you're gonna be two years on that full pro- that probation, and then that 12, 13 months you're on parole. You know, you're paying less money. Yeah. You're not. You know, it's just it's it's crazy how our system is. It's uh, our system is pretty crazy. Mm. So, um, so you kept yourself out of prison, but was it felony probation? Yes. Okay. It was. All right. And uh, and so that last time when you got clean, you got sober. You what 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 did you do to make sure that you did not go back to your old ways? I completely changed that people, places, and things. That's okay. what I did. Um, I moved three hours away from my hometown. Um, I started in a homeless shelter. Um, my counselor in rehab uh, set me up with going to college and um, said I should be a drug counselor. Okay. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, I, know, I know how those druggies are. I do not want to deal with them. Right? Yeah. But I did uh, want to learn, and, and I nerded out when I started school because I wanted to learn about yeah, drugs, like yeah. the ins and outs and everything. And so it just kept me on a on a path where I would go to school, go to work, go to the shelter, go to school, go to work, go to the shelter, until I went into a halfway house, until I went into a... Um, a place where I could go with people in recovery and then those two relapsed. So I went back to the shelter Wow! and, um, finally got my own loft apartment and paid by the week car. And it's, it's a, it's a journey. Wow. I have a big journey. Well, we'll get you back on at a later date and tell your whole Absolutely. journey. Absolutely. But, uh, I do want to ask another question. So when you were learning the school, the book side of drugs, you were learning how those things that you used to consume, now you're learning how they, what kind of effect yep. they really had on your body. Yep. What was that like learning that? Mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, because that was my that was my pinch in my head is I wanted to figure out why methamphetamines tore my life apart. Yeah. 
And then I learned what things were made of and the, all the receptors yeah. in your brains and, and just... Did it, you wonder, like, how in the world am I still alive? I, <laughs> yeah. How many times did I say that? Yes. Absolutely. Wow. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to get you back on. We'll hear your whole story. So now you two are married. How, how has y'all's separate journeys been able to magnify the impact you have on the kingdom of God in your together journey? Well, you know, here, you know, I've said this before and, and, you know, I was married previously, you know, before, before my addiction, before it fell apart, but I don't, I don't think I would ever, was ever going to be successful because, you know, as I read the Bible, it says, you know, that, that, you know, husbands are are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. You know what I'm saying? And I I didn't know how to love the church. So I don't know how, how, how I was going to be able to love my wife and, and in meeting Jeannie and and dating her and, and, and starting to live together and stuff. You know, we weren't married when we first started living together. Okay. And uh, and that first year was crazy because we were finding so many things to argue about. We were finding so many things to 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 find differences in and, and you know, going to sleep, not talking to each other and those things like yeah, that. That's how our first year of marriage was, too. You, <laughs> that's you know, normal. And, but I, that's but, comforting. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, we, uh, we, we just we came to understand that, you know, it said the scripture says what God has brought together, let no man separate. Well, just because God brings something together doesn't necessarily mean we need to dirty it up with, with the way we think we need right. it done. And God brought us together to, to, to be successful in the kingdom, to, to help people and, and nurture people and, and, and those things like that. But what we did was, is that we were like, okay, we're going to do it this way instead of the way God wanted us, mm-hmm. wanted us to. How'd that work out for you? Didn't, didn't. <laughs> no. And I had, I had, we had, a, I have a friend in, in Beaumont named Jason, and, and he's a very powerful man of God. I mean, he has an ear to heaven. And uh, when we went there, he just said, "You know, y'all two are, y'all are living together, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "No, y'all are living together, right?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "Y'all need to stop." He said, "If, if you, if you're wanting to walk in the, in the promise that God has for your, for your lives, you know, together, then this needs to be the way He wants it to be." And for the next four or five months we we we, we got know. married very quick after that yeah 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 <laughs> but that's good but but after we got married all those that silly stuff just went away yeah because we were operating in the covenant that god wanted us to you know operate in in the first place and then the the higher level spiritual attacks come after that because yes. even just because you get married makes one set of problems go away but it also invites a whole nother level of problems because now now you're one in christ in mm-hmm. god with each other and the devil hates that even more. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 it's 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 good because she's fighting with me instead yeah, of against me. Yeah, absolutely. Because now, because now you're now once you once you you covenant before with each other before God, man. Now it's the way God intended. Mm-hmm. And when you when you do things the way God, His original intent, uh, you know, the original intent of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. was not to sin. Yeah. It was to live forever. Mm-hmm. If they had never sinned. We'd still be living forever if yeah. sin never entered the world. So the original intent was for those two to live together forever and 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 do powerful things on earth as in heaven, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so when we talk about the original intent of being married, it was for two people to come together in the in the sight of God and man and make a covenant. And even in the Old Testament, you know, covenant meant you. It was actually called cutting covenant because there was. There was blood. There was blood covenant, and we don't do that, thank God, anymore. But we 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 still seal the covenant with rings and mm-hmm. and exchanging of names and all that stuff that kind of came from the, the the blood covenant back in the Old Testament. And uh, 
you know, the original intent of that was for, for God to work in two people's lives as one and advance the kingdom of God in such a powerful way. Mm -hmm. And so when you try to do it in any other way outside of its original intent, uh, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's like if I was to try to use this microphone for a baseball bat, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's out of its original intent. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna work out for me or the microphone, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, so it's good to, to have people in your life like Jason yeah. who can bring the truth in love, yeah. you know, and, uh, and that in a way that you receive it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've, I've, I've tried to give that same wisdom and counsel to, to people and it's worked on some, you know, my, my friend Jorge and Angelique, they they, uh, finally got, in fact, they had let me, they let me come marry them, you yeah. know, cause I bugged them for so long to get married. Yeah. So they let me do the wedding ceremony. That was great. But then I've got some that, you know, just decided to continue living together outside of the original intent. And, um, it caused a lot of problems. Well, you, so. you know, I, I think that for, for me that you, you bring up a good point because for the most part, a lot of us that are that are incarcerated or been incarcerated or ex felons and or in, in addiction, we confuse advice with criticism. Yeah, you know, and and like that whole thing. Hey, can you accept a little bit of healthy criticism? You know, well, could you just say, can I give you some advice instead of saying criticism because I'm not going to receive the word criticism because you're going to tell me that I'm wrong, right? But I mean, it's just all the way that you know you you listen to it. So yeah, it does. And and there's some people. It doesn't matter how how you package it. They're just their pride's not going to let them receive it. Yeah. Uh, but then you know, and so sometimes God will just shut my mouth and tell me not to not to give somebody advice because they're not ready to receive it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and um, but what he does is he allows me to build the relationship with them and sow seeds to the point where at some point they actually come to me and ask me advice on the situation that I wanted to give the advice on to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Now they're asking me for the advice. So now no matter what yeah. they have to receive it. <laughs> and so, so that's why I always pray God. I'm like, God, is it time for me to say this to this person? Cause I love this person. I don't want to see him go down this path, but is it, is it the right time and the right place? Mm -hmm. And do I have the right words? And if those three things don't line up, then I just wait, yeah. you know? And, uh, because obviously you guys were in a, in, in a position to receive it. Mm -hmm. and accept it and you did something about it yeah. Yeah. and uh and it's paid off yeah. and uh so i mean i'm wa I'm watching you guys give your story on stage and, and share your story and so um so marriage marriage is great right no more problems no more no more arguments oh yeah. no <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. only whenever that uh bath and body works candle so comes out every, oh, every so often she's just let her buy them, dude. Mm. Just let her buy them. And then I have to let them buy every Cowboys jersey that comes out. You don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, you know what? Uh, I mean, just talking about just marriage in general, you know, I've, I've had to talk with some friends over the years that going through struggles and, and some of the struggles were, well, she never lets me go do this and or he never lets me do this and and I just tell the guys, I'm like, look, I can't speak for the woman. I said, but just let them go have their girls night. Let them buy the thing. Let them do the thing. Let them do it, mm -hmm. you know, and be okay with it. I said, because there's going to be a time where you want to go play golf. You want to buy the Cowboys jersey. You want to do whatever. And the more seeds you sow into her, the the, the more harvest is going to come back to yeah. you. And uh, And my wife and I, I mean, she still asks. She still says, hey. Me and the Golden Girls, her and a group of her friends, want to want to go out. Want to go out, mm -hmm. and I'm like, go do it, have fun, you know. Go go do. I got the kids, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't matter when it is. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If she's asking and wants to be 
relational with their friends and go do things, I'm like, go do it, yeah. you know? And then, because anytime I, I'm like, hey, I want to do this, go do it, yeah. go do it. We we never say no to each other, you know, when it's something that is community building. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Relational. And that's what marriage is all about, is, all about, is, is facilitating individual growth as you grow together in your marriage as well. Mm-hmm. And, nobody, and, and if you're not like doing, you know, uh, your own Bible study, but then also studying together, you know, you're not getting the most out of, out of what God, because God, God wants you to, to speak to you individually as well. So that when you do come together and you do grow together in him, it even has more of an impact because yeah. now, now you're not just saying, what can we learn together? You're saying, here's what he showed me. You're saying, here's what he showed me. How can we take that and craft that and see what he's showing us together yeah. and make the biggest impact as a kingdom couple? Yeah, for sure. And that's what you guys are doing. You guys have figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. your problems don't go away. Um, I remember this. My first year of marriage, I told you, it was just like that. I mean, I would stay up and watch reruns of ESPN just so I didn't have to go sleep in the bed with her. That's how mad we got at each other. And she was okay with it because she was mad at me too. I always wanted to be right. She always wanted to be right. Mm-hmm. We didn't just want to be right. I wanted to prove why you were wrong too. You know, I mean, we were bad, you know. And so I, I see a little head nodding, <laughs> yes. you know, like, okay, all right. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm around the right people. And so one night, it's funny you mentioned the verse earlier because one night we were we were in a marriage. We went to marriage class every Wednesday, and we still weren't getting any better mm-hmm. until I saw a video of Jimmy Evans, and he read that verse. Great guy. Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're not loving Jessamy the way I love the church, the way I love you. And I'm like, oh, mm. gosh. I'm like, all right, well, what do I do? He's like, do you trust, do you trust me? I said, yes. He goes, I'm going to take you through a process. I'm like, all right. What's the process? He goes, whenever you argue with her, I want you to stop. And I want you to say these things to her. The very first thing I want you to say is those three words that every woman loves to hear. Honey, you're right. It's not I love you. It's honey, you're right. They just want to know that you validate them and that, that they're right. And I'm like, and then I argued with God. I'm like, but what if she's wrong, God? He's like, who cares? Give up your right to be right. Wow. Wow. Give up your right. He said, my son in heaven looked down on this earth and said, I got to, I got to go be their savior. They don't deserve me to die for them. Yeah. And he was right. We don't deserve it. But he gave up his right to be right and came and gave his life for us. That's how he loved the church. He laid down his life for the church. And so he said, if you can't even give up your right to be right about a restaurant or about a memory or about whatever, He's like, how do you expect me to use you? He yeah. said, you need to give up your right to be right. I said, okay, all right, what's the next step? He goes, after you say, honey, you're right, say, I was wrong. I'm like, well, that, why don't I have to say that? I'm kind of just saying that anyway, right? He goes, I need you to say I was wrong. I'm like, oh, because he knew I had a lot of pride, and I hate saying I'm wrong. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm like, okay, what's next? He goes, and then say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm like, golly. All four of those? I got to do. All right, I'll do it. So the next time we argued, I was ready. I was like, we're arguing. I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. He's like, no, that's not the way I told you to say it. (laughs) He said, put your hands down when you say it. Because I was like, you're right. (laughs) Put your hands down. And and I remember the day we were arguing. Oh, so bad. And I remember the day that I genuinely wanted to do it the right way. I paused, took a deep breath. I just said, honey, you're right. 
and I'm wrong and I'm sorry and I'm asking for, for you to forgive me and a tear began to go down her, her face she looked at me and she said no you're right and I'm wrong I'm sorry and will you forgive me and that day my marriage changed wow. because I knew the Holy Spirit said she's going to follow where you lead if you lead her into an argument she's going to follow you if you lead her into lovingly resolution, love and resolution, she's going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just like, God, the quickest way to get my wife to tell me that I'm right is just to tell her she's right. You know? <laughs> so, Manipulation at its best. Yeah. So, but when I, when I, when I genuinely started doing that and, and was giving up my right to be right, it showed her that I was willing to do that. And then mm-hmm. she wanted to do that. And then we, we still argue. But we just don't we don't fight like we used to anymore. Yeah. We 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 bring the temperature down and we're able to come up with a solution yeah. that's so much better than just ignoring each other for three days and silent treatment and all that, you know? Yeah. So um so yeah, I don't know how we got start talking off marriage oh, counseling, but you taking notes? <laughs> that's good though. I, I, yeah. <laughs> the I wife have. always says that. Are you listening? Well, well you uh, you know, we we had uh, it was probably about right around when, when COVID started. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was I was all into Fox News, Newsmax. I was listening to all these news outlets, and every day I was coming home and I was spewing all this information to my wife. Hey, they're saying this, they're saying that, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, and and I was just getting all this information, whether valid or not, and just bringing it home and just verbally just throwing up on her. Yeah. You know? And one day I looked at her and she was just full of fear. You know, like, you know, when you come home, you're going to you know bathe in. in in uh in, in hand sanitizer at the door, you're gonna leave your clothes there, we're gonna burn it and, and all those things like that. <laughs> and we would start arguing because she didn't want to leave, she didn't want to go nowhere, she didn't want to talk to no one, she didn't want to go to church. And uh and we started having some really, really strong arguments. And it was that one night I, I went to bed on the couch because because of the stuff that I was yeah. le- leading yeah, her you into. Were leading her into it, yep. And uh I remember the Holy Spirit goes, He says he says, Look, there are things that will come against you as a couple, but it's up to you to decide what comes between you. Mm, so that, good. And that just, it just blew my mind. You yeah. Know, it blew my mind. It was like, things will come, come against us, you know what I'm saying? But it's going to be up to us to, to decide if it comes between us, you know? And that's, that's like a message we preach to, you know, Jeannie's a you know, program director for a women's house. And ironically, that's, it's the same treatment center that I went to, I went to in 2016, which is now a women's facility. Yeah. Five four years later, she's she's a program director there. Wow! So I'm there, and I and I, I carry memories from that place and stuff. But those women, and even the men, because I, I talk to a lot of treatment centers in the area, they'll like say, "Well, man, you know what? We we want what y'all have, you know." And I'll tell them, "Look, you don't know what we had to go through in order yeah. to to get to where we're at today, you know." And uh, and I just strongly encourage you know you know men to. To, to be good to themselves before they can be good to anybody else because yeah. it's, it's going to take that, you know. So good. And uh, we, we know that, that we're examples, and, and it plays out on a daily basis. There's times whenever, you know, you know Jeannie will, will, like, say something, and, and the ladies will be like, well, what does that mean, you know? And Jeannie will, will explain to them. And um, me and Jeannie believe that, that the Bible is the Bible. We also believe that, you know, that, that what everything Jesus said that we're capable of doing too. You know, maybe not to his extreme or whatever. Um, I don't know. He said we'll do greater things. Yes, he. You know, <laughs> don't know what that means, but that means that it means something. So he said he says that you would be, you would be able to raise the dead, and on a uh, on a daily basis, Jeannie is taking women that are spiritually and yeah. mentally yeah. you know gone, 
and bringing them back to life with just her testimony and with the things she's teaching them. And with men, I'm, I'm able to do the same things. And, and, uh, and if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be able to do that stuff. I can't lead nobody but anywhere but the dope house on my, on my own accord. But when I'm in partnership with the Holy Spirit, these things start happening that, that are really, really cool. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, I applaud people like you and, uh, that are on Facebook and they're talking about those things and those experiences because, you know, social media has so much to offer us that that's never going to get us a reward like heaven. But whenever we say, you know what, I'm just going to exemplify who you are in the way that I live, you know, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. If you, if you walk in that, I mean, man, so many great things can happen. Yeah. So, so many true. great things can happen. And I tell guys that, that it's a process. It is a process that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Sometimes you're going to take some punches to your nose because of it. Um, Jay Dan, uh, I've, I've, to this day, I got my mom back, my brothers and sisters, you know, they're there, you know, they're, they're in Dallas and stuff and I have my daughters back. But one of the things that, that I feel like that the Lord is, is working on me right now is that my, my son, Nathan, uh, graduated from the university of Arkansas. And uh, it always kind of gets me kind of choked up whenever I talk about him because he was that he was that son that I prayed for. I had three daughters before, yeah. and every time those, my, my my girls were there, I was like, Lord, you know, when are you gonna give me a son? You know, when are you gonna? There's a picture of my daughter Alex, and I got her outfitted in Dallas Cowboy gear and a, and a Deion Sanders, you know, bandana and stuff like that. And I and as I put that on her, I was like, one of these days I'm gonna put it on my son. And whenever he was born, my life fell apart, and I was never there for him. And it's like to this day we don't talk much. We don't we don't we really rarely talk at all. We don't text back and forth or nothing, and um. Guys tell me, like, you know, what do you do whenever you get that no? You know what I'm saying? Because because previously in my life, every time things didn't go right, when I got out of prison the first time, I was working at a temp service, and I was getting seven fifty an hour. By the time mm. I got done for the day, I made $40. I was giving $5 for gas, $10 to get something to eat, and at that time I was smoking cigarettes, $5 for cigarettes. By the time I walked into my apartment, I only had, like, 10 bucks. Yeah. So, um those those things drove me back to using and abusing and, and hitting licks and all those things like that. But today it's like God gives me the ability to to sustain even whenever I get a no or even when my day doesn't go you know according to plan. You know, I, I come home now and I vent to my wife in a healthy way and stuff and and guys are like, What do you do when you get that no? So many so many of the men that are incarcerated right now, um, are gonna go home and their, their, their significant others or their ex-wives or whatever, they're going to say no whenever they say, hey, can I come see my kid? Or maybe that kid is not going to want to see the dad because he hasn't been around for so long. And I, I just tell them, look, build yourself up to the, be the, the man that God wants you to be, and he will take care of the rest. Yeah. You know, he will, he will line that up and take care of the rest. That's so good, man. So, I mean, part of walking on this earth and living for God, we're going to be told no for for so many things, whether even if it's no by God, mm-hmm. you know, to hold off and wait on something. But, you know, just in a practical sense, when we get out of prison, you know, we're going to be told no a lot more because of our past. And, uh, you know, but that's the thing is, is background check podcast. It's all about making sure your past or letting you know that your past doesn't have to hold you back. It can actually pay you back. Yeah. You know, and what you guys are doing is your by, by the career you work in, Jeannie, by the, the stages y'all are on with CR and, and what you're doing now, even from a one-on-one standpoint, when God allows one person to cross your path or whether you're talking to, you know, lots of people on stage or wherever, um, you know, your your background, because of what you went through, you're able to do that and mm-hmm. it's actually paying you back instead of holding you back, yeah. you know, and, and so... Um, I applaud both of y'all. Uh, before we leave here, what what is 
one piece of practical or spiritual advice you would give somebody that's still struggling with uh, with addiction? Gosh, um, you really have to start somewhere. You really do. Um, you have to st- you have to start somewhere with a with a boundary in your mind that you're not going to cross this boundary because and you have to start trusting yourself that you're actually going to do it. Um, so many times in my life. I couldn't I couldn't do right because I didn't trust myself to do right and so that's that would be my advice to somebody is is to start start small and start trusting yourself in the small things um, because then you can trust yourself in the big things and that's like with anybody in a relationship yeah. but you're the person you're in a relationship is is worth the most and so you, you can't once you actually get into that life, you can't turn around and go back because it, it's worse out there. It really is. It's worse. Um, so that's just, that's put one foot in front of the other and start really small. That Don't. is so good because when you're ready to turn your life around and you've been addicted and you've been down and, and is so far rock bottom, everything you have to do and should do is so overwhelming because there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. Because I know y'all are like me. I mean, you you got down so far down that, that every, there was 100,000 things you have to do to get back up. And it can be overwhelming, and, it, and that makes people some some people just stay at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but that's such good advice to just start somewhere, pick one thing, trust and trust yourself to do it. And and you know, and even if you make mistakes while you're doing it along the way, it's okay. Keep trusting yourself and keep doing it because I tell people you get good at what you practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for years I practiced drinking Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. and I got really good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got so good at it, I was I went from doing shots to fifth you know, a half a day, I'd have a fifth down in a half a day and still be able to function because my tolerance was so high because yeah. I got so good at drinking Jack, yeah. you know, but now I'm good at saying no. Yeah. I'm good at saying no, you know, um, and, and I've been able to tell the world no. I've been able to tell the devil no. I've been able to tell the right, the wrong friends no. Uh, I've been able to, to practice my resistance. That's how we get strong. Mm-hmm. I get muscles because I go in the weight room and put weight against my muscle and resist you get you get good at what you practice so if you practice your resistance practice no practice whatever then then you're going to get good at it mm-hmm. so that's really good such good advice to start somewhere and start start begin to trust yourself what about you um me it just it just it's all about it's all about identity you know if if you don't know if you don't know uh, who you belong to you know what i'm saying you're just going to lend yourself to to anything um the one thing that i've i've always i've always said is you're going to you're going to grow through what you go through and that's up to you. Um, you you have to find value in yourself before you can value anything else. I I, I would get out and, and I would try to do everything for everybody. I take my gate check and go spend it all on my kids. You know what I'm saying? And and then and then after that, I didn't know what else to do because right. I, I was trying to give them uh, my, my the monetary means in order to make up for everything that I'd ever done. I was locked up for a, a long time. So the last time I was out, I did this. I dedicated I dedicated about three months to myself to save money to build myself up. And to start working on myself before I could start working on those other things. So good. Because it's just, you know, if not, you're just like that, that like in the circus where they're balancing plates, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of these days, you, you're not going to have enough strength to hold those things all up. So, yeah. um, you know, for me, it is all about looking in the mirror and just having the strength to change those things that you know that are there. I mean, that's that's it. So you know, good. It's, it's, it's it. I remember I took, I took a, a wash rag and I wiped off what the world said when I was in the cell. I said, look. That's not who I am no more. The Bible says that I'm a new man in Christ, you know. So, man, just give yourself a chance. That's good. Give yourself a chance. It's, I mean, 
I, I, I love, I love what I was telling you earlier. I love the way you can, you can bring statistics to the table yeah. and, and give them, you know, give them a foundation, give them the, the context of which they deserve. You know, the, the world is prophetic yep. every day. Absolutely. The world says you're going to go back to prison. The world says that, you know, people that, that are on parole are going to, you know, I think you said the other day it was like 80% or the recidivism rate. Yeah. On a national level yes. when you include federal and state and everything. Yes. That's the world prophesying yep. that you're going to be a failure. But God says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's just, it's just deciding on what prophetic word yeah. you're going you're gonna yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Which one you're going to figure, which prophet you're going to let, let be true in your life. Yeah. And which prophet you're going to call a false prophet. For sure. You know, and that recidivism rate to me is a false prophet. I'm, I'm part of that 21%, yeah. 20%, 20%, you know, that, yeah. that doesn't go back. It's not going to go back. So yeah. thank you guys for your time. Uh, again, Jeannie, we're going to get you back on, you know, maybe later in the year to, uh, during recovery month, national recovery month, awesome. September, and get you back on and talk a little bit more about, you know, just the, the being a, a counselor and, and all that, you know, I would love to, would love to do that. So, um, uh, thank you for your time, for your story, for Appreciate everything it. you do. Uh, pray blessings on your marriage. I pray that God just opens doors for you guys to share stories to your, your story on, on stages, uh, and in places that you never even dreamed of. In fact, in fact, I, I feel like he's saying to, to tell you to start dreaming bigger than you ever have Come on. imagining bigger than you ever have, because he, he's ready to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine. So you need to take your imagination level from here to here. Somebody just released a word over us like a couple of weeks ago. The same, the same thing. Good. God loves to confirm. That's so. why she's finished our crying. <laughs> God loves to confirm. So I just felt that in my spirit before we go. So uh, how can my listeners, all the listeners, your, your listeners now, how can we pray for you guys going forward? Um, just we we are we are in we want to open up our own drug treatment center. Okay, in the Beaumont area, mm-hmm. uh, it, we want we want to have a, a treatment center that that's able to facilitate detoxing, um, but then also transitional that they can go into a sober house for men and women, and uh, just be in connection with with the with the community. You know, awesome. Um, that's what we want to do. We want to. Do you want to add anything to that? We just want to change lives through him. Amen. That's that's the goal. Amen. Well, you are doing that. He's going to take it to another level. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to see y'all's story and the next uh, chapter of your lives and your marriage unfold. Thank you. We can also pray for the Dallas Cowboys, too. They need a lot of prayer. Okay. They do. They need deliverance is what they need. <laughs> they need deliverance from Jerry Jones. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ouch. All right. Love y'all. Thank y'all. Yes, sir. Wow, what a fun interview, especially there at the end. I loved this interview. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Boomer and Jeannie, for coming on. Obviously, we 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 um, we recorded it, I think, in July, but um, but we knew we were going to air it in September. So anyway, uh, some good stuff we talked about, man, and some good things. Go back and listen to this interview when you get a chance. Whether you're having marital issues, whether you're having family relational issues, whether you're having uh, recovery issues. There's some great stuff in this episode. And one of the things, the most impactful things, um, is, is Boomer talking about who he found his identity in, what he found his identity in, you know? And that can only, true identity, our true identity can only be found through Jesus Christ. Uh, and what she said about just taking one step, taking the next step, do the next thing, one thing at a time, and once you start doing one thing at a time and start building all those, stacking those wins on top of each other, 
then you'll, you're, you're going to see how far you've come. So let's, let's pray for them. Um, Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up Boomer and Jeannie. We lift up their next season of their life where you're going to take them to a new level, whether you, you're going to expand their reach, expand their capacity to serve and impact people for the kingdom of God. We pray you open doors. We pray you give them everything they need in Jesus' name to do this. Bring, bring anybody alongside them to help them. Bring buildings, bring resources to them in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for every person listening to this. We pray the counsel and, and wise advice that Boomer and Jeannie gave, Lord, that it would reach the ears and then go down to the hearts and change the minds of people who hear this episode today. Thank you, Lord, for that alcoholic, that drug addict. Thank you for that person addicted to gossip, addicted to anger, addicted to whatever. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing them back. Lord, we lift up national, come back to church Sunday. We ask you just to, to somehow fill all the pews and seats and, and whatever, Lord, wherever people are having church, fill the seats with people who are coming back to you. Lord, I pray that, that people come back to you without having to go through a solitary confinement cell like I did. I pray they, they come back to you the easy way, not the hard way. Lord, I lift up that person who's given up on their marriage. Lord, I'm here in Missouri about to go into a prison and I'm here at an Airbnb and the lady, the owner has a daughter and a son-in-law and he's an alcoholic. He's in jail. Lord, I lift them up to you right now. Lord, I lift, I lift Pat who owns the, the mother, the, who owns the Airbnb I'm staying in. I lift her up to you. I lift up Chris, the son-in-law. Lord, I lift up the daughter. I lift up them all in the, their situation. I pray for favor, but I pray for wisdom. I pray for deliverance from alcohol. Thank you, Lord, for this couple. I pray for the, the, the young lady I met at Thrifty Car Rental. Lord, I, uh, Carla, Lord, I lift her up to you. I pray that she is impacted by the things she sees on the website. Lord, I, I, I thank you for this trip. I thank you for the men that I'm going in to see today in the Missouri Northeast Correctional Center. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get to share you with them today. Lord, continue to do your work in all of us. Intervene in the marriages where they need intervention. Let everyone know, God, to not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, thanks again for listening. Every week, it just it's just an honor to do this for, for you guys for myself, for my family. And uh, we love y'all. Thank you for listening. Shoot us a text. If you're out here and if you're out here in the real world, I mean, we get letters from inmates all the time, but if you're out here in the real world and these stories are impacting you or they impact somebody you've sent them to, uh, shoot us a text. Let us know. If you want to leave a review on Apple, go for it. But the, the, when you shoot me a text, it means a lot more or an email. All right. Thank y'all. Have a good week. Don't let your background hold you back. Make it pay you back. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.